Have you ever been in a meeting and someone in that meeting continually interrupts the speaker or asks questions, which makes the meeting longer and less effective? And to the point where the speaker can't even get their point across because they constantly have to stop and address these interjections. And the rest of the team loses focus on what the meeting was supposed to be about in the first place because all they can think about is how annoyed they are and that their time is being wasted. And let's understand for a second what that question asker is doing. Maybe Maybe they're asking an overly complicated question that is levels above the subject at hand. Or maybe they're pointing out all the potential problems with what is being presented, all the things that could go wrong. Or maybe they are reaffirming the speaker. They've got to raise their hand every two seconds to announce they are in alignment with the speaker by spewing a bunch of buzzword stew that they heard on Instagram, like saying words like synergy and alignment and shit. Well, look, in all these cases, what that person is trying to do is they're trying to prove their value to the team or the company. They're trying to prove that they're smart or that they have foresight, or that they're aligned with leadership. (laughs) Honestly, it's easy to laugh at this example, or the person in it. It's easy to call them a kiss-ass or a try-hard, because from an outsider's perspective, the behavior is so obvious and repellent. The harder we try to prove ourselves, the less people want to be around us. But I'm going to ask you, have you ever been that person? Because I'm going to tell you right now, (laughs) I have been in situations where I felt the need to prove my value. And you know, maybe you have too. Maybe you've been in a spot where you've changed your behavior or your vocabulary to sound smarter or prove your worth. And even though this example is about annoying colleagues in meetings, the concept presents itself in a lot of different scenarios in our lives. And if we're not aware of these situations, we'll alienate people, we'll have a harder time connecting with our friends, family, and colleagues, and we'll just generally get in our own way. So what we're going to do today is name this problem. We're going to put a name to it, and then provide some frameworks to switch gears when we find ourselves tempted to prove ourselves. So the problem, as I see it, the name that I put on it is proving value versus providing value. And proving value is about ego. It's an attempt to to get others to see you the way that you want to be seen. It is an attempt to control their perception of you which ultimately is an attempt to control something that is outside of yourself. It is outside of your locus of control, which is always a losing proposition. But most importantly, it is so repulsive to others because it is so obviously all about ourselves. We are pretending to care about what other people want. We are pretending to care about the things that other people care about just so we can get what we want. It's got a very manipulative vibe to it. And the tactic almost never works for building relationships or businesses because it isn't focused on contribution. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I said it before, I'll say say it again, I'll give a concrete example of how I used to prove my value or at least attempt to prove my value. And I can tell you when I went into training, so personal training, and then had my own gym and all that stuff. At the time, I wanted to be, I was so involved in it. I just wanted to be the best. And I spent a lot of time and a lot of money to become a master of my craft. I spent a lot of energy, time, money, weekends away, whatever you want to, like you name it, I did it just to become as competent as possible in this job. And through all those workshops and continuing education and all that stuff, I learned a lot about, well, a couple of different things, but movement screening was one of them. And that's where basically you, you test people's joint range of motion and how strong or stable and healthy their joints are and their core is and all this stuff. And what you're doing is you're screening for movement dysfunctions. And then if they have a, a, a quote unquote movement dysfunction, then you assign them a corrective exercise to fix that dysfunction. 
And on top of this whole like screening technical process where I was kind of like a little wannabe physical therapist, I learned all about perfect technique with lifting, lifting weights, especially, especially with kettlebells. I mean, I did everything, but I was really deep down the kettlebell rabbit hole. And so when people came in to work out, I would put them through this screen right? To display my expertise and and basically show them how broken they were and how much they needed me because look at their shitty dysfunctional movement. And then I would assign them corrective exercises so I could show them how smart I was. I could show them I had the solution to the problem I just created. And then when it came to lifting and working out, I would take them through this whole ass remedial beginner phase where they, we learned how to lift weights step by step from the, from step number one, isolated you from the rest of the class, put you through a beginner sequence, the whole deal. Let me ask you this. If you came to me with a problem and that problem is, I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I feel. I sit at a desk all goddamn day and I just want to exert some energy for a few hours a week, get some endorphins going, maybe meet some people and have a life outside of work. Does the approach I mentioned, does that sound smart to you? Does that sound like I started with you in mind? Of course not. It was all about me and what I thought was best in showing you showing you what I know in an effort to convince you how smart I am. In other words, I didn't feel really valuable on the inside. I had imposter syndrome. Still do to a certain extent if we're being real, but this massive lack of value I felt for myself led me to create this whole system that was designed to make clients see the value in me that I wanted to see in myself. And it's not like this was all you know, some master's plan I drew up on a whiteboard. This was all subconscious. Me sharing that with you is me looking back on my mistakes years later. And, and what I realized is that this, this stuffy, overly professional approach was hampering my relationships with customers. It was making it difficult for my customers to refer and ultimately capping my business growth. And I want you to think about that. I had people come in who fucking liked me despite all of that, which is great. They, they, they paid and they stayed. But as they say in the business, but to grow the business, they have to pay, stay and refer. So I want you to think about that where they're like, dude, dude, yeah, he's good. I like this guy, but I don't don't really know how to send my friends to him. I don't know if everybody's ready for all that. (laughs) You know, that's, that's crazy when you think about it. That's a red flag. People, you say that to me, well, my friend, I don't know if they're ready for all that. They don't want to do a screen. They don't want to do this and that. They just want to break a sweat, you know, and I would act all high and mighty like, well, you know, when they're ready, they can come to me. It's, it's honestly ridiculous when I think about it looking back, but it is what it is. And so at a certain point, though, I realized how much this is hampering me. And so I've got a burning desire to, to grow my gym, to make more money, to create the culture that I wanted to create in my gym. And I had to ask, what do my customers actually find valuable? What do they find valuable? And how can I use my expertise to help them get that? That's the question. How can I provide value? Not prove my value. Look at what they value, then provide that to him. And it's just about looking at what someone else wants or needs and doesn't have. And then you give it to them. This is what providing value is about. It's about looking at what someone else wants or needs, but they don't have it. And then giving it to them from a place of service, not a place of judgment, right? It's just using your resources to help where you can and being okay with not always having every solution. And so... It didn't take a whole lot to see what my customers valued. I mean, at the time, this is this is largely like a baby boomer crowd. They're a baby boomer crowd. They don't give a shit about how heavy they can go and all this stuff. They wanted community. They wanted a fun environment. 
They wanted to break a sweat, like feel like they worked hard, and obviously they wanted to feel better. So it's not like any of this stuff that I learned about being a trainer was useless. I just couldn't, I just didn't need to put it in the forefront. I needed to put it in the program where it served them best and, and, and scale back on where it wasn't really doing the job. And ironically, so I just mentioned this is like a baby boomer crowd. I began to realize what they didn't value. And I realized like, oh my God, they don't care about a PR on their deadlift. They don't care if they can do a pull-up. You know, we had like, you know, we had like nutrition help that we did as well. And I'm like, oh, they don't give a shit about their body comp results. Like they don't care. You know what I mean? They just want a community, a fun environment, break a sweat, feel like they worked hard and just to feel better generally. And so now, now I can look at it and be like, okay, how can I provide what they want? And, and at the same time, give them what they need. Dude, and I just started doing little stupid stuff. I took song requests and added them to my Spotify playlist. I structured the workouts to give general correctives first in the warm up. So now you don't necessarily have to do a screen or I abbreviated the screen way down just to see like, Hey, do you need most work in your hips or shoulders? Let's just say, right. And then everybody worked out in class. We all started with the same general correctives because I realized, Oh, everybody needs hips and shoulders and a little bit of core strengthening. They'll feel a million times better. Cool. And then speaking of those warm ups, one of the things I used to do was assign like a new exercise. Like every single week I would change them up. And one day I realized, Hey, I'm going to stop changing them. Because the only reason I was doing a whole bunch of different exercises all the time was to prove my value. But what I realized is if they were familiar with the warm-up routine and I didn't have to talk them through it, they could talk to each other while they're warming up and build that community. And then I created the workout in two segments. Okay. So there's a warm up and then there's two segments of the workout. So the warm up I just explained, I made it super easy so that they could talk to each other while they're warming up. And then I created the workout in two segments. So I would explain each segment and that took three to five minutes. And then I could crank the music for 20 and let them go to work. And then I stop, explain the next segment, crank the music, let them go to work. And so if you can see this pattern, it's like I started with correctives, which is what they needed to feel better, keep their joints healthy. We went into strength work next, which was going to be a big driver of the results they wanted. And then we ended with endorphins, slamming ropes, pushing sleds, throwing medicine balls, stuff that gets the heart rate up, gets you feeling sweaty, gets you leaving on a high note. And all of a sudden, it was like, dude, people were having fun. The other piece I did is I created workouts that could be easily stepped up or down. So every exercise could go up or it could go down in terms of difficulty. And this way, beginners didn't even have to go through a specific technique class. They didn't have to be pulled out from the rest of the class. They could just be a part of the bigger group from day one. And everyone could still work out safely and have a path to progression, but they didn't need to be perfect from the start. And so now that my ego was out of the way, classes were fun. It was really easy to refer people because it was just as simple as, Come on into a workout with me. Like that's all you had to do, you know, sign a waiver and you can be on the floor immediately as part of the group. And that made it way easier for people to, re to refer. And the community gelled and the gym became this really fun place, um, a place where you could be built up rather than, you know, broken down so that I could show you how smart I am when I fixed you, right? And that's the difference between proving value and providing value. Proving value is using others to get what you want. Specifically, is to be seen the way that you want to be seen. I want I want everybody here to see me the way I want to be seen. Whereas providing value is looking at what other people want or need and giving it to them from a place of service. And when you are living from this place of providing value, this will in turn serve you with better relationships, more money, because in business, better relationships equals more money, and people wanting to reciprocate and provide value to you. And not to mention, as we've talked about before in this podcast, the world is a mirror. So if you are constantly trying to prove your value, 
Everyone is always going to feel like they have to prove their value to you. But if you are focused on providing value, the world will mirror that back to you in terms of people wanting to give to you without an agenda. There's less pressure for every interaction to feel transactional and more pleasure because every interaction just focuses on building relationship capital. And so how can we flip the script here? How can we change this and move from a place of proving our value to providing value? First, you got to realize, dude, like it's not your fault. Like this, this is literally how we've been conditioned from school to work. You know, you think about work. It's just like the person who works the most hours is, is somehow the most valuable. Right. It's we there's a there's a culture of grinding oneself down to prove their worth. It's not a shocker that with with that culture in the American workplace, people are constantly feeling like they have to prove their value because that's what corporate America does. It asks people to step up, prove their value and in and not really regard themselves or or their, their general well being. Right? Even from school though, there's right answers. You have to prove that you can get the right answers that you can fit the mold, that you can get good grades. And we haven't been taught to problem solve, which is essentially what providing value is because you have to look at other people's problems and solve them. We've been taught to work harder, improve ourselves, prove that we can fit the mold. We haven't been taught to look at a problem and come up with our own solution to solve it. And so if we haven't been taught to problem solve for ourselves, it's really not intuitive to learn how to problem solve for others. But that is where the real magic lies, is if you want to provide value to somebody, you look at a problem they're having and you give them a solution. So how do we, how do, we do this, right? How do, we, how do we flip the script? Oh, let's start here. For starters, listen to your internal conversation. You know, when something sounds stupid to you, this is usually an indicator that you're focusing on yourself. So let me give you an example, going back to my big ego, is that when I was, you know, doing my thing, learning how to train people what I would consider very highly competent in it, having read all the, all the, uh, authoritative authority, you know, all the authorities on the subjects and all the textbooks and all that stuff. If somebody came to me with something like orange theory or, you know, oh, I'll give you one actually Spanga. Okay. So this client came to me and they're like, dude, you know, I want to do, or I, I do this workout called Spanga. I'm like, I've never heard of Spanga. What is that? She's like, it's 20 minutes of spin. It's 20 minutes of strength and it's 20 minutes of yoga. And in my head, my ego just blew up. I'm like, that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like you literally can't accomplish anything in any one of those three categories with 20 minutes. So you're literally just wasting your time. But that was me. That was me. That that was my ego flaring up. And it's like, well, dude, where does this person need help? Like, how can I get curious and ask questions? So when you find yourself feeling like, man, that's dumb. Ask yourself, how can I, how can I flip my thinking on this from that stupid to discovering, well, what is their actual end goal and what are they trying to get out of it? And then when you do that, you create a safe environment that makes them feel free to share what their real end goal is, you know? And then you, and then when they share what their real end goal is, because people always disguise it because we've been conditioned to, to be ashamed of what we want, then we can say, Hey, what do you think you need to get there? And then from there, you can share stories of how you provide that value to other people to solve the same problem and what resources they used. And if you were that resource, awesome. You might have some new business. But if you weren't that resource, awesome. You can point the person in the right direction and build relationship capital. And at the end of the conversation, you've built trust and you've built rapport. You know. And when I go back to that, I can, I'll put this whole framework back to the example I used, Spanga, right? So my ego flares up and I'm like, and inside, I'm thinking like, oh, my God, that's so dumb. Oh, my God, that's so dumb. I can't believe there's a whole studio called Spanga that does this. Like, what the fuck? 
And, but I did get curious. I was like, okay, okay. Tell me about that. Like, what are you trying to, what are you, what are you trying to do? Right. And, you know, of course the general answer is like, oh, well, you know, just feel a little bit better, get a little bit healthier, of course, cause nobody wants to admit that, um, they want to look better. So I'm like, okay, yeah. Oh, oh, good. So why, why Spanga and not regular yoga or, or a regular spinning class or strength training at home? Like what's, what's the thing about this that appeals to you? And then I got the real end goal. She goes, well, I mean, all the other moms that go there are like really cute and have these fit looking bodies. Right. And I'm like, Oh, right on. You know, so, so, so you, you'd like to tone up a little bit, lose some weight. And she's like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like that's really what I'm trying to do when I work out. I'm like, awesome. So my curiosity had actually caused this person to break down a wall and share the real end goal. And now I can share sh- stories of how I've helped people save the same problem. I said, look, I, I'll be honest with you. I've never heard of Spanga before, but I have, I have taken in people who were, you know, doing the same thing, whether it was yoga or training for marathons or doing orange theory or doing all these things where they thought they had to do that thing to look better. But at the end of the day, we did X, Y, and Z very simple here with nutrition, very simple here with strength training, very simple here with getting their step count up and they got this result. And here, let me show you how that worked. And boom, that person became a client and it it worked like that. But if I had laughed in their face when they told me they did Spanga and trust me, I wanted to, I want to laugh right now, but it's not their fault, dude. They had a problem. They were looking for a solution and curiosity is what allowed the relationship to occur. And so I want you to use my lessons and having a big ego as a youngster to build your relationships by, by flipping the script when you, when something sounds really dumb to you, when somebody shares with you an idea that sounds really dumb, I want you to pause and get curious. Because that way, rather than laughing in their face and building walls in that relationship, because now they'll probably never fucking share with you again if you make them feel stupid, they will actually open up to you and the relationship will go further. And speaking of relationships, I've made this statement before, but I'll say it again. The quality of our life is determined by the quality and authenticity of our connection to others, of our relationships with others. And proving your value, so trying to be the smart guy, trying to be the best, trying to be quote unquote competitive so you can, you know, whatever, whatever that fucking means. What that does, that builds walls between you and others. That builds walls between you and others. It creates an antagonistic relationship with everybody and it it makes it harder to connect with people. But when you seek to provide value to others, when you try to walk a mile in their shoes, see where they're struggling, provide help where you can in a way that makes sense to them, that alone, just seeing the world through their eyes, or at least trying to, builds connection. It adds so much relationship capital. They feel so appreciative of you. They feel seen. And now you have more trust in each other and you can and you can move forward with like a, a little bit deeper connection, right? Or a lot deeper connection. Seeking to understand what others want, providing it to them, it's going to cause a massive upgrade to your quality of life. And this is, this is the point. This is the big idea is that, dude, you don't have to prove your value. The only person you have to prove your value to is yourself. Know your own worth. Do things that build your confidence. Get smarter at things you want to get smarter at. Get stronger at things you want to get stronger at. Do whatever you got to do to make yourself interesting to you. And if you've proven your value to yourself, it eliminates the need to prove your value to others. And if you don't have the need to prove your value to others, you can be a better friend, you can be a better colleague, you can look at what they need and seek to provide value to them and have way better relationships because of that. So if that landed with you, do me a solid. Jump over to goodshit.info. 
click the orange button at the top. That's going to take you over to Substack. I haven't started writing articles yet, but I will be soon. That's that's my next phase that I'm laying out here. I'm in the process of writing a book right now, so articles are kind of on hold. Uh, but the book will be done in about the next four weeks here. I'll start out writing articles before that. Either way, head over to that thegoodshit.info, click that orange button, and just sign up to subscribe so you're in the loop when stuff comes up. And then if you like this stuff, if you want to continue this conversation with me live every Tuesday at 12, you should really consider um, our Life Exam and Mastermind, which is exactly what I just said. It's getting together every Tuesday, 12 o'clock on Zoom. we got people all around the nation to break down these topics, to examine life and figure out how we can be better humans who create more authentic connection to others. And we'd love to see you on that Zoom call. If you have questions about that, again, you can find it from my Substack on the About page. You can message me on social media. We'd love to have you in the, in the program. All right, I will talk to you guys later. Have an awesome week.